All right, on this Wednesday morning, time for us to check in with the Vancouver Suns, Vaughn Palmer. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. All right, so taste another update day. Are we going to hear from the Premier today? Yes, uh, supposed to hear from the Premier today. There's no Dick's uh, Henry show today, so uh, it'll be just the Premier. There's a cabinet meeting today, and uh, presumably he'll uh, lay out some... Uh, at least he's going to take questions. They're, they're making it a weekly event again, so uh, I'm not sure what we're going to be asking him today. I, maybe we'll ask him how he thinks the first day went. Um, interesting, the, the a- impact on uh, the capital region, where the Premier has his riding, of this continued closure of the border. Victoria, I mean, you know, tourism industry is huge here, and it doesn't look like we're going to have a tourist season this year. So I know the government supports this, but uh, it is not going to be without serious economic impact here in the capital region. Right, although they, they must expect that some people are getting impatient given the numbers that we saw, like yesterday. Yeah, I think people are getting impatient. And it was a very interesting briefing yesterday because the first number you get, two more cases, you go, wow, boy, talk about flattening the curve, right? And, you know, okay, so three people died. This is the continuing other part of the story. Three died. We're 146 dead of the number of cases we have at 6% of the number of cases we've identified in British Columbia, but we're not testing everyone, so we don't really know what the death rate is. But the, the, as the thing went on, you got a sense of how difficult it is to find the balance point on this. So I don't know if you've heard about the problem at Langley Lodge, but it's a long-term care facility that a while ago had an outbreak, and then it was declared to be over. Right. And then it came back. And... The the numbers that Dr. Henry gave yesterday are pretty disturbing. 43, this is in the second outbreak, 43 residents infected, seven staff, eight residents dead. And she said that's the problem. Is She said if it gets into your facility or if you get exposed to it in a restaurant or anywhere else, there's nothing we can do. You're you're going to get it. You've got it. We don't know how severe it'll be. Some people, it is no big deal. Uh, they're asymptomatic and they stay that way. But it just spreads. So she says when it gets into a place, whether it's a community or a facility, a poultry plant, a, a prison, uh, it's then very challenging to manage. And that's why we have to be slow and that's why we have to be careful. Um, we know or we expect, we've been told to expect, that there will be an increase in cases as we manage our way through phase two. And we've been told as well, Simi, that if we don't manage it well, if it isn't collectively managed well, phase three may be delayed. So we are entering into unknown and risky territory here. Right. So the next week or two will be the crucial ones. Yeah, that's right. What they do is uh, the incubation period is 14 days, although most people, if they're going to get it, get it within the first five or six days, but 14 days. So they've said two incubation periods, 14 days, then 28 days, which takes us to, you know, the middle of June. At that point, they'll know whether or not the increase in cases that are expected is manageable, whether they caught them quickly enough, whether they traced the contacts quickly enough and got it under control quickly enough. And if all goes well, then we are ready to move to phase three. And, you know, Dr. Henry says she's an optimist. She thinks we've done well so far, and she's optimistic 
But at the same time, we are going to have to be monitoring this thing fairly carefully, and that's why it's important that everybody remain disciplined and follow the guidelines. Right. And so we're still monitoring this, right? Like WorkSafe BC is monitoring this and we, in most places, we'll still have to have masks. Yes. And Simi, I gather from what you disclosed yesterday, you're scheduled for a hair appointment. I am. And I went through a lengthy discussion with my stylist on the phone where she explained to me what's going on. Plus I had an email from them and she said, you know, I said, do I need a mask? And she said, yes, but if you don't have one, we have one for you. Um, Like, yeah, and she'll be wearing one. And she described to me everything that's going on. Yes, and uh, Dr. Henry says she's hoping uh, to get her hair done fairly soon, and uh, she uh, expects to be masked, and she expects her hairstylist will be masked as well. This, however, Simi, is not the biggest news event. It's not? Surrounding this. No. I think it's fair to say that a significant chunk of British Columbians are waiting for Keith Baldry's haircut. (laughs) It has caused a level of shock among viewers of global TV. As you know, Baldry's hair has its own Twitter feed. Yes. And I gather there is a movement afoot out there, which I'm not sure Baldry agrees with, that this event be covered live on BC1. It is scheduled for June the 1st. For some people, that's the day the schools reopen, but I think for... Uh, members of the Keith Baldry fan club, of whom I am one, uh, waiting for Baldry's haircut is the big event on June the 1st. I'm a huge fan myself, as you know, uh, and I'm just wondering, has the man never heard of hair product? <laughs> he, he can absolutely not have it look like that. He can put I, some I, I was at the Vancouver hair. Sun when he started a century ago. I'm even older than he is, and he's looking more and more like the, the young, tousle-headed redhead who walked in the Vancouver Sun newsroom uh, way funny. back Back in 1986. Well, I look forward to it. Make sure you get the before and after. That's all we want to get is a before and after on that. Yeah. Uh, that's a good way to look at it. Because I think a lot of... Yesterday, I was driving down West 4th Avenue, and there was a barber shop there, and it hadn't yet opened. I think it was going to open at 11 in the morning. And there was a lineup outside of men waiting to get in. Yeah, no, it's interesting to walk around. Uh, and I don't get out very often because I am in the high-risk group, and I'm still isolating at home but every now and then I go out for some reason and and it's interesting how much tape has been put down on sidewalks in British Columbia and waiting in line restaurants uh, of course we knew the grocery stores and the pharmacies were already doing that but uh, yeah and and it was interesting Dr. Henry got asked about this yesterday right these regulations and she twice said they're not regulations this is not orders from Dr. Henry the only order that she's really issued is you must have guidelines and they must be posted. But these guidelines are not being enforced by her. They are up to, it's complaint driven. So the guidelines for reopening your business must be posted so your customers can see them and your staff can see them. And if they think the guidelines aren't being respected, they can complain to WorkSafe BC. Uh, she said you can complain to your union if you have one. You can complain to the public health officers about it. But she also said, look, it's not going to be perfect. This is a learning experience for all of us. None of us have been down this road before. So, you know, be patient, be understanding, take it up with the with the operator or the workplace first. Try to get it sorted out. But in the long run, that's how we're going to transition to the new era. And, of course, some businesses won't be opening right away because they're just not ready. 
Right. Let's talk a little bit about the airport situation here, too. We know that the B.C. government has done a pretty good job on this, right? Screening travelers. But there are still some loopholes. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, and I've heard this from New Democrats, that they're they're hearing from their own constituents that there's a problem. So if you fly into Vancouver International Airport on an international flight, or if you cross the border from the United States into B.C., you're met by provincial officials. And they ask you, do you have a plan to self-isolate? for 14 days. They look at your plan. You can order the plan up in advance before you come back to BC. So these are returning Canadians. If the plan isn't good enough, they say it's not good enough. And what we are offering you is we will uh, quarantine you at BC government expense for two weeks at a hotel. We'll feed you. And you stay there for the two weeks or stay there until you come up with a good plan. So this has been an effective program. Thousands of Returning Canadians have been screened in B.C. on this basis. Semi, 120 or so have been quarantined at public expense. But the thing I'm hearing from New Democrats is they're hearing from their own constituents that this isn't happening if people come back to B.C. through Toronto and then take a connecting flight. The screening at Toronto Airport, Montreal Airport, Calgary is not nearly as rigorous so supposedly, the federal officials let BC know, oh, by the way, there's some people coming on Vancouver, came through Toronto. But um, again, the, the reporting system isn't as effective. Uh, they're not hearing about it soon enough. Uh, they're trying to follow up by phone, and they're doing it. But it does seem to be a gap in the system, one that Ottawa is just simply not enforcing at other airports in Canada. This is something BC hmm. has taken on itself. At its own expense, it's worked well here, but, you know, if somebody comes back through Toronto, it isn't as effective. Interesting. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Sim.